0: Welcome back to the front line. This is part two of chatting with John Staley. If you didn't listen, go back and do so now, so you don't miss out on anything that John was talking about. Now, when you were starting out, there was there was no course for an interior fireman, right?
1: Oh yes, there was. Yeah. Oh, was there? Yeah, it was called Essentials of Firemanship in 1960s. Oh yeah, no kidding. Yeah, state fire instructors. How and, how uh, long of a class was and, that? And uh, probably six or eight weeks. Yeah. Um, And as a matter of fact, um, not when I was starting out, but a little bit later in the 70s, um, one of your guys, Peter Dawson, mm-hmm. was, Peter was um, state fire instructor. And um, actually, I'm sorry, I took Peter's job. When Peter <laughs> retired from state fire instructing, changed, started doing some other things. And I, became a state fire instructor, and I think technically I replaced him for a while. But anyways, yeah. um, uh, so we had, oh yeah, there was tr- there was good training, mm. um, and there was, and then med- on the medical side, uh, everybody was Red Cross first aid trained, and we had instructors from our own departments, and mm-hmm. then from the Red Cross, and from uh, different organizations. And um, so everybody and we, we were all CPR yep. and um, which was just starting then actually. Isn't that interesting how close that actually is to us? Yes, it is close to us. Yes. Yeah. And because I can remember a few old timers that didn't like it when we first showed <laughs> up and when we first started, you okay. thumped them, you thumped the chest. Yeah. And, uh, and some of those old timers were just horrified to yeah. say, You think you're doctors, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and, uh, but here's, here's, here's the real thing. We know that most of our calls aren't real critical. Most of our calls are transports. Yeah. Nowadays, yeah. especially. Um, and we could, we could do, and the first aid training was very comprehensive at that time. Everybody had first aid kits. Yeah. Um. Yep. And um. And so we did the basics and what we had, of course, for um like CPR, we had masks and um, like that. And so we, but every we didn't have any problem manpower on calls. People were coming to the calls if the ambulance had left. Then they drove to where it was. Um, if they weren't doing the medical work, they were shoveling the driveway, um, moving furniture, helping to carry the patient out, um, driving the people, the the family to the hospital. Um, we would do those things, but we always had plenty of people.
0: And well, I think that now people are intimidated by the state, by the mandates, by yep. the the. If you look at um, I know in Lakewood, people see how much we run and it's a lot of calls and they're always seeing us out there. We're always doing something. And I think that's intimidating from even if they don't ask, like, how how much is it that, that we need to do if we want to help? Um, I think that they're intimidated by by the culmination of everything. And they they don't understand that. Shoveling driveways, steps, helping people, moving furniture, helping lift, moving the stretcher, um, having a run person to to like me as an EMT, having a person who can run and say, hey, I need the Ambo bag. I need the stair chair. I need it's so, so helpful because when the EMT has to walk away from the scene to go get a bag or go get a stair chair, go get something else, gauze, whatever it is that we're grabbing out of the ambulance. It's that's less time that we're spending with a patient. And we need to spend as much time as possible with a patient. But same thing on the fire scene, just because you are in the fire department doesn't mean you have to go into the fire. Absolutely, that's the small part. (laughs) There's so much going on outside. There's all these hoses that need ran that go from truck to truck or truck to truck to hydrant. There's there's filling air tanks, like on our rescue, we have the, the compressor so we can fill air bottles. Um, there's rehab when, when the firefighters come out of the fire, swapping tanks, getting them a cold washcloth, a, a wet, a wet cloth or a dry cloth, yep. um, helping them wipe down their gear or take off the stuff. Um, getting them a cool fan, getting them a snack, get them a bottle of water. There's all this stuff that anybody can do. That's right. Anybody. You do not have to be trained to, to do a lot of that stuff outside, but Yet,
1: um, when when we take those people on, um, we need to treat them that they're important, even though they're not doing that. Um,
0: they're absolutely
1: important. Other things. And uh, not over mandate them. Because even if they join and just want to do some small basic things, they have to take X amount of tr- sexual harassment. They yeah. have to take uh, OSHA courses. And, and that's not too bad, of course, no. uh, something like that. But um, when you have people that say, oh, look, I'm a little bit older, but I'm an accountant. Yeah. We need to welcome those people. Absolutely. You know, that um, maybe just don't even want to do any of that or physically can't do any of it. Um, yeah. To Do we welcome those people. And yes, uh, we don't generally do a good job with that. No, but we should do better. And
0: even, even driving rigs, yeah, you don't have to be a professionally trained firefighter to drive a rig. Now, New York state mandates a class called EVOC emergency vehicle operations. Um, and I think it's great in some ways, in some ways, I think that they could have a little bit more slack, uh, me in particular and some other guys in in the county, you know, we have class A's. I've driven semi all over the country, I've driven hazmat all over the country, I've driven in some of the worst possible conditions in the mountains of North Dakota and Colorado and but I wasn't allowed to drive a fire truck. Yeah. I've and driven a fire truck in the past yeah. in other departments. Man, but EVAC's a long class. It took a while. It did. It's but, a long class now, you know. But you know, I think that I think that we can still utilize people for drivers and yes. they can take that EVOC class yep. and they can help out. Now there's there's other mandates like you know driving the ambulance is huge. I can't tell you how many times I've seen departments go out and they don't have a driver and you hear them call over the radio over and over again. Driver still needed. Driver still needed. Driver still needed. Anybody can drive. Right. You don't need to be specially trained. I mean, the EVOC class is now a mandate, but
1: we... You don't need we, any special skills because we've gotten so specialized and especially on the medical end um so specialized and certified that we have people that just don't come yeah and and as you say they're in, they're intimidated not by the department necessarily but by the state and so let's say for example me I live close to the fire station. So I ride in the summertime my bicycle, yeah. and I've got all my fire police gear on my – got it in my truck too. Which
0: probably takes you just as much time to ride
1: your bike as it does less. your vehicle. Oh, less. It's oh, because you don't
0: have to worry about traffic too. No, yeah. I just
1: in and out, yeah. park my bike, put my stuff on, and there I am. But um, – We need to get yeah. a blue light on your bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if there's somebody – if that scene is along the way, a lot of times I go over mm-hmm. to the intersection at the station to help them get out in the heavy traffic right. in the summer. But um, if there's somebody that has fallen and they're they're bleeding in the road and everybody's standing there freaking out, I can't stop and help them.
0: Yep.
1: And there's something wrong with that in that I've been in since 1967. I think I can help control bleeding and do some very basic things. I understand don't get involved in the big stuff, but they don't let us. We have sat on the, on the pad waiting for medics. When people are jumping up and down in the road, screaming Mm -hmm. and yelling when there's guys in the ambulance, but they can't go because there's no medic going. And you know, if it's your kid, there And you've got some guy that's been in the department a long while, and he's not an EMT, but he can do something that Joe Citizen can do. I can't even do what Boy Scouts can do, being a volunteer fireman. I would be better off taking courses like I did from you mm-hmm. and, and uh, CPR and, and not being in the fire department. I'd be allowed more to do things for my community than I am as a fireman because it has to be that medic or they, or they just lay there. Something's yeah. wrong with that picture. We've gotten so advanced that we're, we're getting less people involved with common sense and how to treat things. And therefore, um, our services in some ways have gone down.
0: Well, I feel like a lot of that has to do with the mindset uh, of people at some point. I don't know when it changed, but everybody became sue happy. Oh, yes. And so insurance companies also create mandates like that so that they say, hey, we got to protect you firemen and the fire department so you don't get sued. And so they create these stricter guidelines to, to protect you guys. But... What what happens when they're protecting us is it also takes away from quality of care.
1: I've never seen an insurance policy that mandates any of that. No? No. I I think that that is all state-driven and driven by the professionals, by the um, medical directors. I think they are the ones that drive that because the insurance company... Yes, they want. They just expect that you're going to be trained. Um, that's true. But they're not mandating um, the exact training that your department takes. Sure. Um, they just expect that that's done by the department as a policy. hmm So, so it's still there. There's a common sense way that you know if you got firemen and they're they're outer part of the district somewhere and somebody is is has a severe cut laceration that they don't allow them to go and put a compress on there and control the bleeding
0: you know that brings you know? up another point of the general public why is the general public not more educated on CPR and uh bleeding procedures now there's bloodborne pathogens and we all need to be aware of that but if if Joe Smith on the street sees Jane Smith and she's bleeding from a cut on the ground if someone throws anything on it a, a hoodie or a jacket or something right. and puts pressure on it that can buy time until EMS does yeah. get there
1: I think they're not trained in um, creative EMS yeah creative medical treatment because they would, they would think, Oh my gosh, I'm going to get in trouble if I pull off my hoodie yeah. and put that, that needs to be some sterile high tech package that I, yeah. that I, I'm not qualified or I don't have that. Yeah. And so again, that's, I guess maybe it's kind of a common thing in our culture is that we try to um, disable our people to do things and take the initiative on things when they could. I, I yeah. remember a call one time, um, severe accident, um, severe arm injury. And, um, a lady takes off her bra and uses it as a tourniquet. Wow. That's yep. creative. Yep. Matter of fact, I think she got firefighter of the year, that, uh, that lady. Wow. Um, a civilian firefighter of the year. Sure. But, um, We we but we don't encourage that because everybody thinks nope that's gotta be done by by professionals and so you let you let people suffer, you know.
0: Now we certainly don't want John Smith, who's had zero training whatsoever, to step in and start touching patients. That's something we definitely don't want. But if if John Smith has had Training in the past, if he's had CPR training in the past, there's no reason he can't get down and start compressions. Compressions are the number one thing. Breaths are great, but compression is what keeps that blood flowing, taking it
1: to the, yeah. you know, from the heart to the brain and all over the body. And we need that. But your departments, so many of them are running scared. Yeah. And so they don't want people to take the initiative because they feel they'll get in over their head, you know. But yet the public could do that. The Boy Scout could do that. But they don't want their firefighters to do it.
0: I think I think that we need a widespread. Everybody should be allowed to start simple things like that, even the general public. Because if the general public is trained in that, then and now they're protected. They have a, a what's it what's it called? I forget. Um, good Samaritan law. Yes, the yeah. Good Samaritan law. Yeah. Which will protect for anybody who's trying to just do a good deed, but. I think that more people just widespread need trained in basic principles of, of bleeding and CPR. Yep. Because on the street, something happens. Yeah, somebody could be calling 911. But what's our response times like? I mean, we all try to get out as fast as we can. But also, if we don't have enough firemen, we sit Boy, there in the station. It
1: takes a long while in some departments. It and does. I, our department has, yeah. yeah. Sometimes, we've heard them, three departments sometimes going. Yeah. So... <laughs> We don't have the EMTs, so our service has gone down. Yeah,
0: and that means a, a longer response time to get to people's loved ones to help them. And with something as basic as CPR, that, and, and, and you and I both know it's exhausting doing CPR. Yes. It's, it's, it, it is really trying on the body. But it's, if they were to start that, and let's say we have a good response time, we're there in 10 minutes. Then that's a lot, that's 10 minutes of compression, keeping blood flow to the brain. Yeah.
1: Which is huge. I mean, that's what the latest statistics say, anyways. Yeah. So our, you know, if you got people in your district that aren't close to the station, yeah. whatever, um, they feel, well, the ambulance is gone. They don't go. Yeah. Or the engines have gone. And nobody else is allowed to go to the fire call once the engines leave.
0: Yeah, the, and, and the I don't vehicles. necessarily agree with that either. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think at times, I think that, you know, let's say it's a general fire alarm at McDonald's. We don't need 17 cars showing up there. right? But when we know, hey, we have a confirmed fire on 123 Main Street that's roaring, you get to your station, all apparatuses are out. I don't. I don't think it's wrong for us to grab our turnout gear and head to the call,
1: right. or keep it in your vehicle um, or keep for it- those who live it a long ways away. Sure, absolutely. And and um, and just strategically park your vehicle and and well, check in and help. And I think that that's a problem too. That a lot of the maybe
0: younger firemen don't recognize the fact that they may be blocking apparatuses
1: too, yeah. because there's only so much it's width not, to a road. Yeah, but it's not that big. Of, I think that's an over-exaggerated um, complaint because sure. generally, um, they get them off. off, and you know That's a training yeah. issue. Where do you park? Exactly. You, you all park on the same side, or you park way up the street, out of the way, and then walk up. That's just a training issue. That's all.
0: I agree. I think that... I think that people could in their introduction into the fire department they could be told stuff like that where do you park what do you do what's the procedures and and some departments are really good about that you know i i will say as far as lakewood went they told me so much information of what they like and don't like their operating procedures gave me a massive book of bylaws it was honestly so much information it was (laughs) it was overwhelming yeah and and that's come from a person who has a background in this as well and um it's just there's so much information at times so there's
1: got to be that balance but like you know lakewood i've always said it about lakewood i've always had utmost respect for lakewood and lakewood um, is an example of the reverse snowball effect we all mm-hmm. hear about um, it's le- it's the the effect fire departments like a snowball going downhill. It's gone. It's yeah. just gotten bigger and bigger, worse and worse, going downhill. And Lakewood's an example of a snowball going uphill because I really believe that the organization and expectations and um, comprehensiveness of Lakewood um, has created a better department with more people and we know you get more done with well-qualified people than you do with a whole bunch of people who aren't serious and so um i think lakewood has huge expectations as big as the lakewood celeron area has expanded over the past few years and the amount of calls but it is it is better because there are expectations there and there has to be where if you're from a very rural department, you don't have those challenges. So yeah, it's a little easier to do the duty. It's true. And we we do
0: in Lakewood. Again, another thing I admire about Lakewood is, you know, what's funny is I, so I first joined the fire service in 02 as as a junior firefighter. And I had respect from Lakewood even at that point. Um, because there had been calls that we had go on together and they they were always so professional on calls yeah. And yes. so now joining them on the inside, I see why. And it's because we have not only respect for each other and each other's positions and in a proper system of delegation, but there's also four days a week or four days a month to train that's a lot of training. We yes. have four drills every month. Yes. So uh, every other Sunday and every other Tuesday, we also do weekly truck check and uh, uh, or biweekly truck check. And, and so there's a lot that we do in preparation and in those drills, we try to run every possible scenario. We even have our own training site, which is fantastic. And and let me recognize right now the privilege that that is. Oh yes. Not I, I don't know another department that has their own training site besides Jamestown. Yeah, and we have a we have our own burn building. We have our own uh, uh, uh I can't remember what we call it right now. But to jump out, we have our own uh, building to jump out of, and then we also have our tower. tower. Yeah, and the rappel tower is is fantastic. That's a that's a I think five story concrete building. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what's funny, Jack Nolan was just telling me about that. They built that for. I think in the seventies for $5,000 yeah. <laughs> and we it's that one happened yeah. today.
1: Yeah. Not at all. And but it's But here's amazing. the difference from the training that Lakewood is doing to the mandates of foolish courses that the state may um, mandate. It's tailored, it's specific. So when your personnel come to Lakewood for that night, for that drill, and that training, they know it's going to be tailored and it's not going to be a waste of time. It's not going to be generic. It is for tailored to what we do. That's right. And so there's incentive for the people to come. It's good, specific training. Yeah. And um, so much that we have in state mandated courses, are there's a lot of stuff that could be boiled down. And also, that um, may not relate to what that individual is doing. Now, yeah. we know there's a whole bunch to choose from, but nothing is better than good qualified instructors from within that department. That's Absolutely. the best form of training.
0: Absolutely, because they've seen what we have, what issues we have in the department or in, in our district. What are That's fires right. we've been to? What are accidents we've been to? Uh, What is now chief, Tom Allen, used to be captain. He's uh, chief as as of this year. He actually built a uh, burning simulator for a vehicle now. So you have a car that's up on a a metal frame of the sorts. and So we can do a a burn simulation with a car. And I'm told we're in the works of
1: building a dumpster fire simulator as well. That's great. And, And I know Lakewoods shares that because... They are now um, inviting Bemis to come down. Yes, and um, the Bemis guys have loved it going yeah. down there, and um, so that that just helps all your other mutual aid yeah. uh, departments around. Historically, we've we've tried to invite
0: many departments to come yeah. and do the burn building, and um, I think it's important to to share it because, like we said, we you know not every department has that, mm-hmm. but also. Um, what do you think is going to happen on a, on a fire scene? There's going to be mutual aid. Yes. You know, we call out for a structure fire. You know, Bemis is going to be there. Ashle's is going to be there. solaron's going to be there. Buseye going to be there. And and so how are we going to learn to communicate and work together? Well, the best way to do that is to practice that. That's right. And uh, we even go as far as when we put our radios on and we go inside the fire, we all turn them to a attack channel. So we can speak to each other and we'll yes. even fake tone it out and we'll call, Hey, we have this and we'll, we'll run it like an actual call.
1: Sure. And that's wonderful for the new guys. Yeah. Who've never heard it, but you're doing specific, interesting. Yeah. Training. And, um, that's the key to the whole thing. And so you'd, you're going to then attract the people that you want. Because yeah. They're not going to go down to the station and stand around and talk and not have um educational objectives and um, yeah. they're going to have educational objectives when they go down where a lot of a lot of times people just come they stand around there's nothing structured and they don't make it a priority if the fire department doesn't make it a priority
0: well that's true and it, like you said earlier it starts from the top down yep everything that happens in that department stops from the top down yep and in a lot of cases, that's been detrimental, yeah. Um, because it's it's you get the the chiefs in in other departments that have had issues, and you get then volunteers who don't want to show up because they don't want to follow that chief. So then what happens? Well, now public safety is on the line, yeah, because of, of inner politics. That's right, and and it's a shame, um, but I think that there's so much more we could talk about when it comes to the fire department. There's so much more that you've done. Um, You know, it's, it's amazing. And honestly, you know, for anybody listening, it's, if you were to see, he's got all these awards hung up on the wall and patches and (laughs) boxes boxes of awards, just sitting there. He gets to, he gets to pick and choose what awards he wants on the wall. Swaps them out every week. No, it's, it's been looking back on your time what, what would you say has been the best? And this, this may be a hard one cause I'm putting you on the spot, but what would you say has been the best part of it? Is it, is it training new people? Is it, um, I mean, you found your faith during your time in the fire service. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it, is it being able to, uh, share your faith with, with other people in the department? Is it helping the younger people come up? Is it serving
1: the village? What's, what's been yeah. the best? Um, Actually, when you look back upon it at this stage, I think I'm seventy three, somewhere around there. Um, <laughs> the most fulfilling thing is lives you've saved, yeah. Um, places, families, homes that you saved, yeah. Um, because you can look back and you you do remember some very specific things yeah. where you personally were involved in some of those things hands on or as an officer but i um so the actual saving is the ultimate that that you look back upon and and then um seeing the people who you work with and mentor come along is really rewarding yeah and the uh, camaraderie, you know, with yeah. your brother and sister firefighters is is something special. So you reflect on that also. And then, um, yes, as, and you need to be in, you need to have in the fire service a strength. And uh, for me, it's Christ. And... Um, which up until 44 years old, I tried to process all that myself from uh, some, even from say Vietnam and into yeah. the years in the fire service. And to be perfectly honest, it's easier to process it. Um, if you have a faith in Christ yep. that um, because along with those saves, there are real sad things, horrible things that yeah. you see. And, um, but that comes with the territory. It's we, it's not our job to change the world. It's not our job as fire and EM, AMTs to, um, change the system. Our job is to provide organization and valuable life saving and property saving operations at the time it happens it's our job to mitigate what's going on when we roll in to not let it get any worse in whatever form that may be that's our job to do that and and so if we can walk away and sometimes I've done it. Walk away where there's such a good job. You know, I'm making sure everybody gets high fives. And, yeah. You know, things like that. And um, it is hugely rewarding, but can also be very sad. Yeah. So those are the things I I remember.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's a a great way to look at it. It really is. Well, John, I I thank you for doing this. I thank you for. Mm-hmm. Being willing to record, I, I wasn't surprised when you said yes, because if there's anything about a fireman, it's we're willing to dive into situations without knowing what's going to happen. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> and we're all adrenaline junkies. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> so, right. It's so, like uh, in that movie Patton. And, yeah. And he's uh, standing out in the middle of the battlefield, uh, all these armored burning tanks and everything. And Patton looks around and says, God help me, but I love it. <laughs> it's kind of that way, really. It, it kind of is. It kind of is. That's funny. Yeah. Well, so, thanks for talking to me, Jake. Appreciate
0: it. I love. I love this. It was. It was a really great time. I, uh, John, and I have a tradition of closing out in prayer, and so John is it okay if I close out in prayer? Absolutely. Okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together with John. I thank you for being with us as we reminisce on the old times, the current times, the bad times, the good times. I thank you for the work that John has done in your name in the fire service and in the county. I thank you for his willingness to put his life on the line. But I also thank you, Lord, for always being there for John when he needed to turn to you when he needed someone to help him get through something. I thank John for being willing to share you, Jesus, with other people when they didn't know who to turn to or what to do. Heavenly Father, as we go through and we continue on, fighting the good fight, as John would say, I just ask that you are present with each and every fireman, that you make yourself known to them, that they find you and they find your good works. Lord Jesus, we are grateful and we praise you. Amen. Amen.
1: Thanks, Chaplain. That was good.